Hello, sister friends. Thank you for joining me today. We're going to be talking about incarceration and its impact on families. We're going to talk about how we can help and strengthen these families as they have loved ones who are in the prison system. Are you ready? Let's go. Welcome to Sister Friends Cups and Conversation. I'm your host, Teresa Cooper, and things look a little different today, <laughs> uh, but I still have my co-host, Ms. Catherine Young. And it's good to be here. Yes. With everything looking different, we're still going to do it. Absolutely. <laughs> we're still going to have our Sister Friend table. And so uh, we're using uh, new technology uh, coming to you today, and it's so exciting to um, offer something new and do something adventurous. And so thank you for joining us at the table today. And our special guest today is Dr. Barrow Coffron. And uh, Dr. Barrow, can you uh, say hello to the, to the people? Hello, glad to be here. And forgive me, I, I, don't, I hate when I butcher people's names. Can you tell us your name fully so I can get it absolutely perfect? Barrow Catherine. Okay, so I, I did say you did well. Okay. <laughs> and I just love how the doctor rolls off of the tongue, Dr. Barrow. <laughs> Congratulations. Congratulations. Thank you. Awesome. Yes. yes. And so this is Sister Friends Cups in Conversation. And our cup for today is our Sister Friends Cup. And uh, I chose this today. We're going to be talking about uh, incarceration and the effects on families. And there are uh, probably thousands of sister friends out here that have a loved one or someone that they are uh, close with um, mm -hmm. that may be incarcerated and the impact, they're feeling the impact on their particular family or their yes. friendships. And so I thought it was a very worthy topic uh, mm -hmm. during the sports season to talk about. So that's what we're going to be talking about today, uh, incarceration and its effect on the family. Yes. So uh, I'm going to give out a few statistics and then we'll just open up the dialogue. Mm -hmm. um, you know, incarceration affects families. They're, they say that there's more than five million mm -hmm. children in the U.S. Ha have a parent in prison. Oh, my. And I was thinking, uh, that's five million children mm -hmm. in the U.S. have mm -hmm. a parent in prison. And then if we just break down um, the statistics even further, it says one in eight. Um, if you're poor, if you're low income, you have one in eight. Um, if you're African-American, uh, black, uh, one in nine. Mm. And just children overall, it would be one in 14. So if we lined up some children and um, 14 of them, we would know that one of those out of that 14 has a loved one um, in prison. Mm -hmm. And then in just in Louisiana alone, it says one out of every 12 children mm -hmm. um, has had a incarcerated uh, parent, had mm -hmm. some experience with their parent um, being incarcerated. Mm -hmm. And then as I, ladies, as I mm -hmm. begin to delve deeper into the statistics, it said that 87% of women 
um, are responsible. So the responsibility falls on women at 87%. And mm -hmm. those are just staggering uh, numbers and that 87% of those women um, are responsible for the calls, the visitation costs, mm. and one in three go into severe debt. Yeah. Um, trying yeah. to cover that. Yes. And um, I'm going to ask you, Dr. Barrow, you are in the medical field, correct? Correct. And but you're also uh, in the clergy. You are a senior pastor at. Can you tell us a little bit about what you do? So uh, I'm senior pastor of Grace Hill Church um, in Shreveport, Louisiana. And uh, of course, I've been in the medical field nearing 20 years now. Mm -hmm. And um, much of that time has been spent with the um, with the pediatric population. Okay. And so um, I have a heart for children and um, just really helping in the area of uh, seeing mentorship with mentorship and seeing children come to the place that they need to be. But what I've noticed over the last couple of years is I've noticed that we have a parenting problem. Mm -hmm. We have a lot of um, we have a lot, as you've mentioned, single women trying to parent um, alone. And we have a lot of children who I think that we've been kind of dealing with the leaves rather than the root. When we get to a problem and we're looking at a problem, often we are looking at um, behavior in the classroom. Yeah when actually we need to delve a little bit deeper and go into the home and see what's happening there. Yes. Absolutely. I love yes. that statement that you said. A lot of times we're looking at the, the leaves. leaves. And Absolutely. And, um, and incarceration is so, um, the numbers are so staggering. Um, and it, it compels us to begin to look into the root. Yes. Um, and when you realize how many, not just women, but um, how many children are mm -hmm. being impacted by um, their loved one, their parent uh, being incarcerated. Um, it really does uh, demand us to go further into the root causes and how we can help at the root. Yeah. Um, Kathy, um, what are your thoughts? Um, before we started, I was talking to you a little bit about after I was researching and mm -hmm. doing some reading, how I really it just depressed yeah. at the numbers. And one of the numbers that stood out the most that 10 percent to 25 percent of U.S. prisoners suffer from serious mental illness. Mm. Yeah. There goes mm -hmm. that word again. It seems like yes. every episode mm -hmm. that we've done yes. in this season, Dr. Barrow, um, mental, mental health has yes. popped up. Yes. And uh, that's another um, going to the root and and dealing with the leaves and not the root because yeah. absolutely because if you're mentally ill and you're incarcerated, yeah. how is that any value to you? You're not mm -hmm. getting help. So that really done something that really struck home with me. And then education, it talks about um, independent of other social and economic characteristics. Children of incarcerated parents are more likely to drop out of school. Yeah. Just what you said, Dr. Burrell, that they're dropping out of school. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Well, let me ask you, Dr. Barrow, um, in, in, in the medical field, you've dealt, you said that you dealt a lot with um, in the pediatrics. Mm -hmm. um, so you've got to see uh, helping children up close. Um, let me ask you from um, a clergy standpoint, as a minister of the gospel um, and one that pastors a church, um, mm -hmm. how does that uh, affect you, your, maybe your congregants? Um, 
Kathy mentioned, you know, it, it can absolutely um, bring up feelings of depression. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. But as the people of God and as the clergy, I'm hoping that with this conversation, it brings up um, a burden, mm. you know, yes. a clarion call that we won't just accept it, that, you know, this is what's happening in society, but that we'll get a real burden to find out how we can interject ourselves um, into the, the problem, into the um, the mass incarceration mm -hmm. um, effect on families to make a difference. What are, what are your thoughts um, from a, a clergy perspective? Oh, wow. What an awesome, um, what an awesome question. Um, I can appreciate being here right now. I really can. Just this week, um, I shared a testimony on my social media a couple of years ago. Um, there was a situation where one of the members of the congregation uh, was incarcerated. And so um, this member, the, the mother, you know, uh, a mother who loves God, gives her children the best that she can give them. Um, it, it was as, as a member of the clergy for me, I had to be a part of that process. Yes. And so making sure that those character references, I'm able to put a true character reference out there. And I'll say that I'll say this for a minute. I'll take a small detour here and say, that's why it's so important that, um, you know, we really know who's in the congregation so that we can mm -hmm. speak to that character. Rep we can make that character reference um, or that we have those associate pastors or youth leaders that have those relationships who we trust to be able to make those character um, references for those individuals. And so it has been a fight and a complete um, struggle at times to really fight on that that particular person's behalf. It takes lots of prayer. And you kind of talked about um, how, you know, what the, the, the word that came to mind for me was inoculation. What we do when there's a problem in the physical body is we look for a vaccination. That's right. And so the church has to be that inoculation or that vaccination for incarceration. We have to start being educated about it. One of the things that I knew I had to do as a pastor was that I could not just take on the pulpit. I had to get into the pews. I had to get into the community and I had to self-educate. That's very important. And to make sure while I'm self-educating that um, where, you know, I'm verifying, I'm confirming that information with those institutions that I need to make that collaborate, uh, collaboration with to help those who are in the pews. So it, it, it's been a... Um, it's been like you're you're constantly educating yourself so that you can help the people to move forward. Um, the the word of the Lord tells us that we're to study to show ourselves approved unto God, and I think that has taken on a different ring in my ears um, as a pastor. You know, as a as as a missionary, you get out there on the mission field, and of course, Sister Catherine talked about this. She said she said that um, liter you talked about literacy. Yeah. And one of the things that um, I've been, you know, kind of pondering is um, reading and how how that affects our lives, um, living through literacy. A lot of our children are illiterate. Well, they yeah. say that um, that children that have incarcerated parents generally do poorly 
um, in school. Mm -hmm. It impacts their um, their learning. And so that's just another component. Um, mm -hmm. Sometimes we focus on how the kids aren't performing mm -hmm. at school and we don't, like you said, focus on the, the why. Mm -hmm. Have we looked, Absolutely. You know, delved in deeper to see, you know, not just is the parent at home, but where, but where is the parent? Because sometimes mm -hmm. the, the parent yeah. could still be present, yes. but they're present from prison. Yeah. Mm -hmm. let, me, let me add a caveat to that. Now, this would give me a visual. My husband um, was military uh -huh. for 24 years. Mm -hmm. He didn't go to prison, but when he had to deploy... Wow. I was left with the children. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. My children for months. Where my daddy? Yeah. Where mm. my daddy? I had to carry the load. I had to do all the running around. And then I saw their grades suffer. Mm. You mm. know, you have one parent do it. So it's not incarceration per se, but it's still that parent missing. I know my husband going to come home. Right. But what about mm -hmm. the kids who see this for the first year? the second right. year, and they don't have that help or they don't have that hope, right. especially mm -hmm. when the parent is gone for a long amount of time. Right. And that, I think that's one of the also mm. one of the impacts. I have a friend of mine who um, their family was affected and the husband was uh, in prison. Mm -hmm. um, they were able to build their family, but the, the fallback of that with the husband being incarcerated uh, one of the things that she said is that the kids suffered with uh, stigmatism from mm. their peers, mm. uh, from outside mm -hmm. yeah. influences. Um, they felt shame. Yeah. Um, they felt guilt mm -hmm. um, because, you know, yeah. when someone asked where their parent was. It wasn't. Yeah. It, you, they couldn't say, well, they're deployed. Yeah. Or where is your father? And then the shame of carrying the burden, if if you would that their parent was, you know, in prison mm -hmm. and then not knowing when they're going to be released. Um, and so sad. that's another, so it's like a, it's a never ending mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. saga. If there's yes. no end. You don't know, you know, are they going to get paroled or, and then it brings, it re, it reignites whatever, you know, wound that may have been healing um, every time it, it, you know, the opportunity for mm -hmm. parole, yeah. it almost, you know, it's, opens the scab up yes, again. Yes. Right, right. Through that all of that emotional turmoil, um, which again brings up their emotional state and their mental um their mental health. Yeah, it's a lot to tackle. And I think um churches have to be, like you said, with pastoring, you have to know your congregants, know those that mm -hmm. are that are within your congregation and not just know them from their name That's or right. who they are, That's right. but really have an intimate knowing um, so that you can um, impact uh, the quality of their everyday life. Yes. You know, and That's even as good. churches are, they're, they're growing and they're becoming larger and larger. Mm -hmm. um, it's still, you know, you have to create systems that yes. create small groups. Mm -hmm. uh, we have those groups for um, addiction we have mm -hmm. we have those groups for uh, divorcees, yeah. uh, singles, married. But I don't know, Dr. Barrow, have you heard of groups for um, families uh, with incarcerated loved ones? And and that's where we are. We should um, turn our focus. Mm -hmm. You know, we have one of the things that has been convicting for me has 
been trying to, and, and that's why I talk about educating myself first and learning what are the problems out there and really th realizing that, you know, I've been dealing with the wrong thing here and really coming up with programming that suits that. So um, those small, those groups are in place. Those resources are in place. We have to make sure that the church is a part of offering that resource. What I've learned to do um, with halfway homes is I've, I've learned to get involved and make sure that if I'm not the person who has that halfway home, um, it's not necessarily uh, Grace Hill's halfway home. Right. How can I fit into that curriculum? So just a little bit of inoculation, being able to come in, have a Bible study, have those conversations. Where is your child um, while you're here in the halfway home? Can I go to the school with your child? Is there a is there someone from my from the congregation who can go to Dad's and Donuts Day or Muffins and right. Moms Day? Nice. Those are the places where we have to integrate because, as you were talking, you um, you talked about how um, how it you know we're just constantly ripping the bandage off constantly you know so there's the school can't stop having dads and donuts or muffins and moms so what how do we come up leave those four walls or however many walls we have and we go out into our community and make that difference so the church's presence in our community by knowing what those needs are yes i love that when you said um no being able to recognize um what i'm doing wrong or what i'm avoiding or where i'm mm -hmm. not um i'm hitting the mark but maybe i'm hitting the the the, the wrong mark yeah you know what i mean right i'm hitting something but not quite you know the right one um and so mm -hmm. being able to have uh, retrospect um mm -hmm. as leaders especially mm -hmm. as community leaders right um and it's not just again i know we're we're talking from a pastoral perspective, mm -hmm. but it's not really just, just the pastor's uh, responsibility, but it's individuals. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's community. It's all That's of right. us caring That's about right. our mm -hmm. community and, and about the people that we are um, in contact with, especially in with something like what we're talking about, because it's so widespread. That's right. Um, right. And um, I don't think that there's uh, very many people, especially within um, the black community that hasn't been touched by prison. That's right. And mm -hmm. someone being incarcerated, you know, there are oftentimes I've thought to myself, Lord, um, one of the, the things that families face is just the financial burden. Mm -hmm. I've had loved ones to mm. call and, you know, you might answer the phone once, you might even do it twice. Then you get the phone bill and you're like going, no, I don't know if I can do the third, <laughs> you know, and then you go and then you're on the other side. Um, you know that they're feeling some kind of way, but yeah. you don't know what that is because you have to be on the phone with them mm -hmm. to mm -hmm. be able to connect. But then you're on the other side feeling, you know, guilt, mm -hmm. feeling, you know, it, am I abandoning them um, because you're counting the dollars. Because the prices for those calls and any other things that we do for loved ones or those in our community are exaggerated. Right. They're overpriced and you you pay $10 for a two-minute call. Right. And that's ridiculous. Um, one statistic shows that um, the United States is the leading ones 
in incarcerations. Mm -hmm. And the state of Oklahoma is now number one, just upseating Louisiana. So with Louisiana, we were number one in right. the United States. Now it's Oklahoma. And we talk about what we could do if we before we take on the the United States, even if we could do a little in our own state to start right. the fires burning in other states. Right. And and um, you might be watching and you're saying, well, what can I do? How can I yes. make a difference? Or you may be watching and you may be saying, well, I don't. I don't actually, um, Teresa, I actually know no one in mm. prison. Um, one of the things that you can do is is be an advocate. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, you can be an advocate on several several layers. One of the things that I also um, thought is, is that it's so important that we can advocate for prison reform, advocate for the care of families, and mm -hmm. still be pro-justice yes. and still be, you know, yes. pro-law abiding. Just because we're advocating uh, for change in areas or we we, we can identify um, based on our knowledge base, um, the things that are that are wrong or that are broken mm -hmm. doesn't mean that we are soft on crime. That's right. And it doesn't mean that we're, you know, soft on criminals. That's right. And, and so it's so important that people understand that they can help and they can, you know, make tangible differences mm -hmm. um, that impact real people, not just legislation, but there's families yes. attached. Yes. There's children attached yeah. um, to these issues. Um, what are your thoughts on on that, um, Dr. Barrow, especially the part about being able to speak to two issues uh, without um, degrading either yes. issue? It's about equilibrium and providing that balance for families who are going through. Mm -hmm. And just if you, as you have stated, making sure that we're speaking out about these injustices, because um, what would it, it's easy for me if my neighbor is coming home every day and my neighbor's uh, a pretty good citizen. Mm -hmm. But if I have to live next door to that or in the room next to that, you know, what does that do for me? What's that, what kind of quality of life am, am I having? Am I having a balanced quality quality of life? And so we, when we start to look, um, if, as we start to look at these things from a psychological point of view and we look at things like Maslow's hierarchy of needs, you know, we talk about safety as being one of those things. I'm not going to feel safe in my community. So it's not easy to uproot. We've already talked about the economic disparities there and how it's just not easy to pack up and to just leave and to to move just because there's a lot of um uh, you know, think crime or whatever happening in your neighborhood. So how can we reform? That is, that's, that's what we're speaking out about. If things are unfair and unjust, then there's no real reformation. And so we want to make sure that we're speaking to these things, to injustices, that the proper thing is being done, that we're not just allowing people to serve a sentence, become bitter because of an unjust sentence right. or, and, you know, and just to sit in prison and nothing is happening to rehab that behavior right. so that they are put back into society as a better contributing citizen to the good of all. That's what right. we want right. to do. Absolutely. And, you know, one of the things and I have a scripture I want to share as well. Mm -hmm. But one of the things that's so important that as a society and all of us 
especially sister friends, mm -hmm. because again, at the beginning, I said that it's, it's pr primarily us. It's mm -hmm. primarily mm -hmm. women who are carrying the load right. of, of um, the cost of prison and, and dealing with the, our loved ones in prison, whether mm -hmm. it's because of a child or whether it's because of a spouse. Um, so it's so important that as women, that we care for each other That's right. and mm -hmm. that we elevate the conversation to the place to where people can gain and grow in their empathy toward families because it, it, at times it can feel as if um, the family's being imprisoned and the family's being right. uh, living out the, the, yeah. the system, living out the, what's the word I'm looking for, the, 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 the penance of the mm -hmm. one the that's person right. that's broke the law. Yes. So the mm -hmm. person that broke the law, they're in prison. They're right. doing their time and then turns around and now the family's got to do time. That's right. Uh, that's right. Of, you know, that family member. And really it shouldn't be that. It shouldn't be that way. And you might say, well, how is that? When, if your loved one is shipped to a prison that's over a hundred miles from that's you, right. that, that harms you that's immediately right. because then you can't visit them. Mm -hmm. They can't have that human touch. Mm -hmm. If the mm -hmm. phone call costs more than, you know, a Starbucks cup of coffee, yeah. that harms you. That's right. Um, you know, because you're not able to communicate with the loved one. And, and, and it speaks to the whole question of is prison still, I know when I was growing up, I thought of prison as you, you go there to do your time um, you pay for your crime, but but it's also there to rehabilitate you. That's right. I don't know that prison is a real rehabilitation place anymore. Mm -hmm. That it, mm -hmm. it almost feels like it's turned into something else other than rehabilitation. Mm -hmm. And and so that's another problem that we have to you know mm -hmm. speak to and and shed light on. And it's because mm -hmm. too a lot of it has become money makers yes. for people who have bought into the prison program. If I have to pay five dollars for a bar of soap for my loved one, that's that's hurting the family as well. Right. It's just a whole bunch of different dynamics that it really goes into breaking down the family unit. Yeah, Hebrews thirteen and three says, um, "Continue to remember those in prison." This is really, you know, a call and a clarion call, especially for us that mm -hmm. um, say that we we love the Lord. That's and right. Yeah. Serve the Lord. That's right. Um, it's so important that we have prisoners in our in our hearts and in our minds mm -hmm. and in the sphere of our care. He says, continue to remember those in prison as if you were together with them in prison. That's right. And those who are mistreated as if yourselves were suffering. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, there's some people that might say, well, maybe he was talking about, you know, religious prisoners mm -hmm. or prisoners that were, you know, I, you know, I can't really speak to that from a theological uh, point of view. Um, I tend to believe that he's, he's just saying prisoners, mm -hmm. <laughs> anybody yeah. that's in prison, yeah. uh, mm -hmm. whether you're guilty or you're not guilty, because not everyone in prison is guilty. That's right. Mm -hmm. that's right. You know, um, but he's calling us to consider them, to think about them. And, and then he adds on, and those who are mistreated as if yourselves were suffering. That's right. And so I think it's so important that as the church, that we stay, um, 
pliable and raw mm -hmm. that we don't allow our hearts to grow cold mm -hmm. toward uh, people who are suffering. That's right. And people who are um, very specifically people that are in prison, that we don't just look at them as, you know, uh, subhuman or as, you know, just a criminal. Just, it goes back to when Jesus was on the cross with the two thieves. He went there with them. Yeah. You know, one of them was saying, you know, yada, yada, yada. But the other one say, remember me when you enter your kingdom. He had compassion. I think sometimes we say what well, they did to crime, they right. need to do the time. True, if they did a crime, but it does not mean that we shouldn't love right. and that we shouldn't help them. And I think some people feel that way, but that's pro-life. Right. That's from the that is. tomb. That's taking care of those who are held captive. Even if they did do the crime, we ought to show love for them. Absolutely. Absolutely. Let me ask you, ladies, about this. This is current events, something that's happening in real time right now. Mm -hmm. You may have read it about the gentleman who stole the hedgers. Did you hear about that, Dr. Barrow? I've not heard about that. Okay. Mm -hmm. So there was a gentleman who stole some hedgers. And they ended up giving him life in prison for it. And they used the um, Three strikes. Re repeat yeah, offender yeah, law mm -hmm. to mm. cause him to be um, given life in prison. Mm -hmm. And this is here in Louisiana. Mm -hmm. um, he had two, two or three prior offenses, offenses. Mm -hmm. that he did time for and was released. And another one he did time for and re released. But they were um, robbery, not armed robbery. They weren't violent crimes. Um, so at any rate, they um, he was trying to steal some hedge clippers. And um, from that hedge clipper, they decided that his life uh, was worth being thrown away for the mm -hmm. rest of his life. Mm -hmm. So he, here recently, he went up for, uh, uh, he tried to say that it, it was excessive. Uh -huh. And that maybe race played a part in mm -hmm. it. He's a Louisiana native. Um, and the it went all the way to the Supreme Court. And the Supreme Court um, upheld his conviction on a five to one vote. And the lone chief justice was Miss um, Burnett Johnson, the, the only African-American on the court. She was the only one that dissented. And um, she went on to explain why she dissented. And I just, I, my, I was really just speechless when I heard it mm -hmm. because immediately I thought to myself, as a society, mm -hmm. this man's life didn't mean more to no you value. than hedge clippers. No value. You know, it's he, mm -hmm. wrong, granted. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. But to, to lock him up for the rest, rest of, of his, his entire life, life um, seemed to be, to be a little excessive. Mm -hmm. um, and then it made national news That's right. and there was a lot of pushback um, and, and, and just a real spotlight on him. And then here recently, um, they've decided that they're going to um, allow him to go before the parole board. So he may get... Um, parole but it took everyone being outraged yeah um in order for them to take a second look yeah. you know and uh what are your thoughts you know about that because we are in a we're in a season right now dr barrel where it's like a boiling pot that oh, man. some of the things that are that mm -hmm. some of the laws that are on the books are being exposed mm 
um, to being laws attached to Jim Crow, um, mm -hmm. laws attached to slavery, That's right. and how that they've made it into our current time. And because of that boiling pot, it's causing you know the outcry, and it's causing people to take a second look at um, how we dispense justice. You know, mm -hmm. what are your thoughts on that? Oh, that it's pretty loaded. Um, when you think it, it's it's really pretty loaded once you look at it, and you've kind of, you it's kind of like we've got this web um, full of deception, and you've got to carefully um, unweave it, take the pieces apart, look at it, analyze it, and see what this is. And as we do that, one of the things that we know is that he committed a crime. Yes, and I, I think a lot of times we have to settle there. And understand that a crime, we have to be explicit in stating that we recognize that he has committed a crime. And in that, the expectation is that the law is going to be used responsibly to for sentencing purposes. You know, um, there there arises another conversation about when people have done their time. Why is if, if I've served a sentence, that sentence should be so just for that particular crime that once I've done my time, it's not lingering over my head. Yes. And with that, I understand um, looking at past behaviors because past behaviors, especially when they are not rehabbed, are subject to happen again. That's right. And so could it have been that as a child, there was some depravity in his life? Could he have been starved um, as a child? We need to go back and look at these individual cases and see what happened to him as a boy. Why, why is kleptomania something that he um, has an issue with? Because it sounds like he, in each crime, there was something similar there. So did we do our part as a judicial system to be able to help him in getting the help that he need, needed? Was that help, long? if we did, was it long enough? I talked earlier about being a pastor and looking back to see the areas where I did not do what needed to have been done. I did something, but that's not what, if that something is not what is needed, then it's toxic. Right. It, it, so I have to have that responsibility to be able to look back and to say, you know what, this didn't work. Let me look forward and let me see what I can do in the future. That's going to help. It doesn't mean that I stop. It doesn't mean that I give up. It means that I have to have the responsibility in my role to look and see what needs to be better. I think in those cases, we need to have um, those um, citizens who can look at that. Citizens need to be able to come in and to help to review those cases and to look at them and to say, have you ever thought about this? Especially those citizens who have been overcomers. And who've said, you know, look, I've had a problem with stealing before. Perhaps you should have looked at this and this may be the issue there. But to give life a life sentence for as I love the way that you simplified it, Pastor Teresa, because you brought it into perspective to give life for hedge clippers. Is that what we want to do? Right. Um, when we start to look at um, I think the statistics show there's a thousand about a thousand children in juvenile prison and that's just juvenile prison in the state of Louisiana. It costs about $423 a day 
Mm. So for the, the total cost for those thousand children is going to be about one hundred and fifty seven uh, million. Right. A little bit over that. So look at the money that we're pouring into the prison system, you know, only to see recidivism. Right. Yes. That we could actually be pouring into um, strengthening the families. That's right. And um, strengthening community mm -hmm. and providing Absolutely. Um, places for people to be able mm -hmm. to go to. Um, to add uh, to the strengthening and even the, their educational um, aspirations. You know, there's another scripture in James 1 and 27. It says, pure and genuine religion in the sight of God, the Father, means caring for orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. And I, mm -hmm. I, I share that scripture because it's so important. This whole conversation um, I'm really wanting to make sure that we're understanding as Christians yes. or, and even just people of faith, um, it's so important that we should be on the forefront. That's right. We should be the leaders of, um, these conversations mm -hmm. and the leaders in, um, shining a spotlight That's on right. the inequities because we know that, the, that That's right. God says that it's mercy, justice and mercy is That's what he right. loves. Yes. And so um, we should never just be about crunching the numbers right. or the statistics or just so hardcore um, in leaning on any one issue that we don't allow the compassion of God um, to um, prick us. That's right. That's um, right. Uh, you know, with the father's heart. That's right. You know, and so. A lot of times we, we, we become displacent or ignorant of something. It's because we've allowed the world to corrupt us. That's right. We've mm -hmm. um, societal opinions and um, data and facts and, and numbers, you know, and those numbers yes. to corrupt us. And he's he's always reminding us. I love the work of the Holy Spirit because yes. he's yes. Always reminding us uh, the Lord loves mercy. Yes. Uh, he doesn't seek. Uh, to condemn or to punish us, he's mm -hmm. deem us. That's he wants right. To redeem yeah, us. that's right. And and so it's so important, you know, um, that we all, you know, do our part to find how we can uh, take part in in uh, being a part of the change, and so that we can help families to be strengthened and to be um, remove the shame. That's right. Um, from uh, having loved ones in, in that are incarcerated. Um, create mentorship programs, um, create programs. That's you might right. be saying, you know, well, what's my ministry or what can I do? Um, I hope that this conversation uh, propels you or sparks something in you um, so that you can see how you can participate in uh, being a part of that change. Mm -hmm. Kathy, do you have any final thoughts? The final thoughts, I'm going to do this scripture because it really touched homes is Psalms 89, 14, and it mm -hmm. says righteousness and justice are the foundations of your throne. God loves righteousness and justice. And we mm -hmm. as people of God, as you stated, we should speak out against injustice. Yes. And we should show forth the love of God in all that we do. Absolutely. So we've talked a lot and uh, we've um, opened up a big dialogue. Um, check out this organization called CASA. Mm -hmm. um, it's a court appointed uh, mentorship aid uh, for young people. It helps them. It's CASA. It helps them um, 
while they're um, going before the, the, the um, justice system, mm-hmm. um, check out schoolofgreatness.org. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a mentorship program within the high school, also in juvenile uh, detention and in the juvenile justice system. That's schoolofgreatness.org. Uh, make a meeting, sit down, call your pastor, ask them what can we do, how yes. can we help um, families that have incarcerated loved ones and uh, get an outreach started, uh, get involved, do something. Women, we make it happen everywhere around the world. And this is an issue that we need to uh, take hold of. So um, thank you for joining us. Thank you, Dr. Barrow, for your wisdom and being a part of the Sister Friends table. Thank you for having me here. Absolutely. So we'll see you next Wednesday, 12 noon. God bless. Thank you for joining me at the table today. What a rigorous conversation we had about incarceration, its impact on our children and our families. Can you join with me and let's partner with an organization to support our families, to let our young people know that we support them. Let's mentor, let's get out there and make a difference. Don't forget, something to sip on is next. Hello, this is something to sip on. You know, I want to say after that episode, it was very powerful, Kathy. Uh, It it was just great having Dr. Beryl Cawthron with us um, to talk about uh, incarceration and its effect on families. And what I want you to sip on this week is, is that families that have incarcerated loved ones need your support. They need your support. And this is my something to sip on. Uh, to read that scripture again, righteousness and justice is the foundation of God's throne. God loves people. Yes. Whatever you can do to help, you may be that one that will start a group for incarcerated children whose parents are incarcerated and speak to them and talk to them and encourage them. We have to love what God died for.